Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Your Aunties Could Never, a podcast for cool aunties and uncles everywhere where you hear no-nonsense, straight talkings from the chest. I'm Auntie AK and I am here with... Auntie Nana. Auntie Sade. And... And Cousin Steph. <laughs> Welcome, Cousin Steph. Guys, Thank don't worry. You. We have not replaced Auntie Farah. She's actually back. She's in town and she'll be joining us a business call, so she'll be joining us soon. Yes. Welcome, Cousin Steph. Thank you. How, thank you. How are you all doing? How's your week been? Are you good? Yeah, I've been good. It's been quite a nice laid back week so far. Yeah, actually can't complain this week, which is rare. So it's been quite good. That's How about nice. you guys? I had a good day today. And I pitched something for a lot of money today. And yes. I don't know if we've got it. <laughs> but but doing the experience, yeah, it was I'm good. excited I'm like we've got it. Say it again. I'm excited like we've got it. Yeah, yeah, we've got it. <laughs> No, I literally, existence. <laughs> I literally said when she and when any of the aunties win, we all win because that means I get free Just dinners, I'll get shopping, <laughs> um, all that type of stuff. So <laughs> we need you to win so I can be winning. So yeah, yes. we, we've got it. Yeah, all good over here. Yesterday was pretty tame. We just had a takeaway, so nothing crazy for Valentine's. Oh, but yes. Yeah, it was just all right. Just all yeah. right, just all right. I can't really complain. This is what our 21st Valentine's or tw even 22nd. Okay, yeah, okay, cool. So so if, if you don't mind me asking, so do you make the effort as well or are you just waiting? Not waiting, but do you, yeah, does Mr. Nana <laughs> um, get, does, is it on him? Well, I mean, why are you showing me up? Yes, I don't try and do anything. <laughs> Okay. So I can't even complain because I never planned anything either. So, you know, it wasn't, we've had really good ones, but this one was super chill. Like it was dinner in our flat, like in the living room. Just eating. Oh, I actually almost forgot that it was Valentine's Day yesterday. I did nothing. I went to work and I went to the gym. I did see two cute guys in the sauna. That was oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I love that. This wasn't this isn't a setup for a porno story. I'm just saying. <laughs> it really sounds like it though. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. No, I literally it's not often that you go in a sauna. It was quite, you know, busy. There were people peppered around. And I looked to my left, I looked to my right. There were two. They weren't friends. One over there. Cute. Okay. Love to and hear I'm, it. If you can't find me, I'm in the sauna waiting to be <laughs> Cousin Stephanie, how was your um, Valentine? My Valentine's was very quiet. I just spent it in my flat most of the day. But I guess it was like a special Valentine's because it's the first time that I've ever celebrated it or, yeah, ever with a partner and yeah it was just really low-key I got some flowers and a candle and like some chocolates and stuff and mm -hmm. because the relationship is long distance so I really appreciated the fact that he like went out of his way to like order all of it and have it delivered and stuff mm -hmm. and yeah I'm not really big on valentines generally because I was single and bitter and so I used to watch <laughs> other people you know I would be like oh that's really rubbish but yeah it was a nice feeling so so yeah, moving forward, I don't know if it's something that I'll do or we'll do every year because I think we're 
both quite low key when it comes to it. But like for a first time, it was, yeah, it was really lovely. Felt very special. <laughs> I think it's nice. cute. That's very cute. I'm also bitter about Valentine's just because I'm salty, but it's okay. <laughs> it's oh, all good, man. It's all I'm good. I'm happy for everybody else who's enjoying. That's very cute. Um, my daughter's boyfriend did a very cute thing for her. And they, my daughter and her boyfriend bought me chocolates. Oh, I love love, you know, or maybe I love the commercialization of love. I don't know, but I just love <laughs> people receiving gifts and like going on fancy dinners and doing special things for each other. I just absolutely love it. I didn't do anything though. <laughs> like I was just at home. What did I do? I was watching Euphoria. Yeah, oh, well. mm. probably, um, probably not. To what? It's a very anti-love story. No, it's really toxic love. (laughs) I think that that's what that's promoting. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit intense, but yeah, I finished it now. So yeah, I'm up to date. I'm up to date kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot going on. That was my Valentine's. I have to prep myself for euphoria. And now let's get on with it. Okay, guys, get your plates, get your drinks, and let's start the show. Um, We won't have the warm-up game today, but we will have it next week. Auntie Sade, who are you welcoming to the family? So this week I am welcoming welcoming um the original South London baddie, Miss Naomi Campbell. That's who's coming into the family. I don't think she's been welcomed before. So I'm just saying a shout out, a spud even to Miss Naomi, who is currently on the cover of um Vogue, British Vogue magazine with her daughter. And you know what? She had her baby. I think, I can't remember how old her baby is now. Maybe about six months or so. And no one freaking knew. Do you know what I mean? No one knew. She's she's not adopted. She's mine. Keep out of my business. Really and truly. And she just done her thing at 50. So, yes, come through. Auntie Naomi, we love you. So, yeah. What were you going to say, cousin Stephanie? <laughs> Could you tell that I was going to say something? <laughs> Yeah, no, I've always loved Naomi and I'm I'm so happy for her. I did realise that the baby had one B hair, so I was a bit like, did she purposely make a choice to have a mixed race baby? But anyway, that is a conversation for another day. And frankly, it's none of my business, but it was just something that I clocked. I was like, the baby's hair is very Caucasian. It's all I good. I can't lie. I zoomed in as happy. well. You see? <laughs> I zoomed see? in as well. Yeah, I did. I did. I wasn't going to mention it, but I zoomed in. And was, I don't know, you can't tell when it, she hasn't shown the face. So I was like, I don't know, I don't know. Mm. I think that Auntie Naomi is one of those women that she, we will rally around and support whatever decision she makes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, then, and that, I think I, that's okay. and, then, and then that's it, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I definitely zoomed in myself. But that's it. Welcome back. Welcome I'm back. Okay. Welcome back. Welcome I'm okay. Back. I'm holding it together. That's what I will say. That's good. Okay. Um, that's, we yeah. missed you, and now you're back. Now you're back. Now you're back. Let's get into it. Let's get into what have you heard for the culture? Usually we split them all out, but together we'll unify because we've got a guest and we've got to get to the juicy parts of speaking to cousin Steph. Do you mind if I say? I might say Steph. Do you mind? Oh, yes. No, that's no problem at all. Okay, because very familiar because <laughs> you're our cousin. So, yeah, cousins too. Yeah. All right. So, we got some news. We've got some culture going on. Like we mentioned, Auntie Naomi has shown her baby on the front of British Vogue. We've got Miss Black History Month talent and pageant show has planned in Jamaica, let me specify, has banned contestants who bleach. We've got um, Prince Andrew has reached an out-of-court agreement with 
Virginia Dufresne. Some very shocking breaking news that's happened just now. Cara Ampho has shared her story of self-love getting her fibroids removed. Musk has been torturing monkeys. Beyonce has been criticised for her late, latest Ivy Heart shoot. Sierra and Russell, her partner, apparently left Drake's party when Future came out on stage. The internet is very bothered about that. Kanye is continuing to be, be, to be petty. And Snoop buys death row alongside the news of the Pepsi halftime show at the NFL thingy, football, American football. I don't care, but Dr. Dre, Snoop, <laughs> Eminem, Kendrick Lamar and the Queen Mo Day Blige came out on stage for 12 minutes during the infamous halftime show. Everyone's talking about it. There's a lot to get through. We won't get through it all. What do you guys want to talk about first? Okay, guys. What do you want to talk about? The halftime show first, I think. The halftime show. Okay. So basically, yesterday was it? Yesterday was it Sunday? Yeah. Sunday. It was Sunday. Okay. So the NFL, if those of you who like American football, it's a big, the big final game between all the playoffs, whatever they're called. They had their halftime show. Now, this halftime show is infamous. You've had. The legendary Whitney Houston oh, intro it. You've had, well, actually, no, she introduced it, but you've had Michael Jackson perform, Prince perform, Beyonce perform. It's an epic. It's career-breaking. It's a career-defining moment. And the big news was that Dr. Dre is going to come out, has come out of performance retirement, as it were, to bring out his West Coast signees and proteges and things, aside from Mojo Blige. I don't know where she fit in this mix, but she did. Um, and who, sorry? 50. 50's not West Coast. And 50 either as well. That's what I forgot about his. No, but he's. Produced, he's no, but he's, 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 yes, yes. But it was the way she's framing it. Like the artists were West Coast. And West Coast. Not. It was like a West Coast thing, but then 50 and Mary kind of came in. I don't know no, where they came in. However, they were all there Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary DeBlige, 50 Cent. And it was 12 minutes of epicness that everyone was excited right, I'm about. Gonna, I'm going to stop you again. What did I do? Eminem's not from the no. West Coast. So I don't think it's West Coast. No, but he was signed to the label, right? Yeah. I'm freezing. Was yeah. I was saying that Eminem is not from the West Coast. I don't think it was West Coast. I just think he and his, his massive... People. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, everyone excited. It's been a big build-up. However... I don't know how I felt about it. What do you guys, how did, how, did you guys watch it? What do you think? I have my thoughts. I'll start with, I'll start with Auntie Farah. Did you watch it? What do you think? I did watch it, but I thought it was 14 minutes, not 12. <laughs> Auntie Farah's been my, producer. I am, I am. My link said 14 minutes, but uh, I don't know, I don't know. But I watched it, I liked it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the blackety blackety blackness of it all. Okay, okay, Eminem was in it, but I did enjoy like the blackety blackness of it all. Like I, I enjoyed the fact that you had Snoop doing the crit walk on big NFL. I liked it, it was good. It was interesting as well. Like I think my favorite was Kendrick in all honesty, but I'm a huge Kendrick fan, but I just thought his performance and the styling and the dancing and just how they put everything together, it, it blew my mind. I thought it was like that, that was amazing for me. Everyone else was okay. Mary was okay. Apart from that big scream at the end and the, but Mary, I love you. You can do no wrong for me. Know this. But apart, that was the only bit that I was like, what's that about? And the memes since then have been quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I quite liked it. Dr. Dre is Dr. Dre. I like seeing everyone in the crowd getting on and enjoying themselves. I think that was probably like one of my favorite things as well about it. But yeah, I've, I don't have a bad thing to say about it. There's, there have been some dead out halftime shows you know where i don't even care to watch them so for me this was good 50 looks like 
150. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was, I think the memes there were a bit sad as well because it's like, he did that was like 2000 and whatever, three or something like, or the four when he came out and he was like all going to the gym every second of the day. So it's leave the man alone, but I don't know. It just made me but laugh. You didn't have to do that. That was my thing. Like, why did you even have to do I get it, but no, come on, son. Because the thing is, it was like he'd done the first line and then there was like this musical break and then he, <laughs> like, he could get down. Hands <laughs> away and then he's, uh, then he's standing. Just like, no, nah, babe, you couldn't, you yeah. You didn't have to. You didn't have to make that moment live at yeah. all. Like I just watch clips on social, but I really like them. I did. I don't know why people didn't like it as much, but maybe you had to sit there and watch the whole thing. Also, as well for us in the UK, we would literally have to stay up till one a.m. to watch mm. it. So it's an effort. So I get that. But I thought it was cool. I have. I've seen people on their timelines wishing that that they were of age when this music like was was new. Do you know what I mean? And I'm just like, I was like, do you know what I mean? I really love that. That that's like part of our era. And also Eminem taking a knee. I thought that was like big news. They told him not to. Yeah, like, but Eminem's mm. gonna do what Eminem's gonna do. He's yeah. always been a bit of a rebel. I don't know if it was like super performative or whatever, but like, I didn't mind it. I don't really mind Eminem personally, anyway. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was very. It was very black. It was very male, though, to be fair. But it was very black, and I love Kendrick when he performed. When Beyonce performed, didn't he? He was epic then as well. He's always. I just want. Where is his next album? Please hurry up. Right. We need that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. Stephanie. Yeah, I thought the performance was really good. I too am a huge Kendrick fan. So I just think his performances and his shows are always so dynamic Mm -hmm. and just always gives you something to think about. I really love the fact that they crip walked on the NFL (laughs) mains. I'm sorry. I just think that is such a mood. I think that was amazing. I'm a big fan of Snoop as well. So I enjoyed him. Dre, yeah, I thought it was, I thought he was cool. There was a moment though, when I thought that they were going to have a two-pack um, hologram come yes. out yes. when he started doing the when he was at the piano and oh what's the song that he started playing and I was like oh my gosh is there gonna be a hologram but it didn't happen but um yeah no that was cool 50 cent I thought I you know what I actually I really like that performance I also really like how he looks now I didn't like the amount of body shaming that I saw on Twitter and things but I guess because of what I do I'm always very attuned to when people do that kind of stuff but yeah I was a bit like he looks fine he, he's locked down and I guess like everyone a lot of people have put on a few pounds and stuff and mm-hmm. he was able to like I think on Twitter they had the behind the scenes or a moment when he was getting up onto the rails to do his part while everybody else was performing and the way he just got up with ease like he was able to lift himself up and yeah he's still pretty fit and stuff yeah. and I quite the he's quite cuddly now I've always liked him but now he's I was I was just like yeah his arms are just ah yeah anyway let me and I saw like I saw when he there was a bit where you could actually see when he was getting down from the thing so mm-hmm. it's like credit where credit's true but um, it didn't make, so I can't I'm not even gonna sit here and lie some of the memes made me laugh but some of the memes made me laugh about everybody there was something about everybody there was something about Snoop smoking and there was a guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's lost a fan now. But he was being sarcastic. And someone was like, how, how do you not expect Snoop to be smoking? Why are you surprised? And his like, uncle's going to smoke. I watched it live from 
I can't remember her name. Puffy's baby mother, the one that's a stylist. Her name Misa. is Yes, yeah. I, so she was filming and I watched it that way. And so it was I, I was more interested in how the crowd was going than the actual performance. I've seen snippets of the performance and I loved Mary J. Blige. I just love her. Just watching her same moves and her just moving about. I was like, yeah, she was definitely my favourite and Kendrick as well. But overall, I did think the hype before it, it made it overrated. I don't know what I, I was expecting. Maybe they were going to do like a medley or it was going to flow a little bit better. It just felt unnecessary that there was five people on there. And really, it should have just been Mary J. Blige's night. I think she should have just had the spot. But yeah. I like um, the staging, though. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I like the staging. Um, I felt no, I like... Sorry. No, go on. I felt the same. I felt like it was overproduced and in the end, the hype made it, I was underwhelmed by it. It was great to see everyone together. But then I started to think about the politics of it all. Has the NFL fixed its issues with black coaches and players taking the knee and protests? And then I started to be like, ah, was it worth it? All this hype and Dr. Dre, problematic character. I don't know the ins and outs of his mm. life. What we know about him is problem. What we know in the public eye is problematic as it's presented. So supporting him in the individual performances. Yeah. Kendrick, obviously I'm Kendrick's like my guy and Mary J obviously, but again, the two songs that she picked out like of all the songs, it could have been so many other songs. I wish she went 411 rather than those tunes. I just don't think. And yeah, I mean, I, she could have, but, but, and then also, it was good to see Snoop and the Crip walk in. I don't, I don't know. It just became, I don't know how much power we had in that performance. In the end, the whole thing, in the whole grand scheme of the NFL and the issues that we had with it, was this worth it? Was it all worth it? What did we achieve? What did we gain? Is it a win for black culture? I'm not. And so my, 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 my mind went politics on it and I just couldn't get away from that. I had to watch it, of course, but now I'm just like, hmm. Mm. But that isn't the whole NFL though. You know what I mean? Like the whole NFL is wh why are we watching this? Why are we supporting this? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Why is this whole thing good for black folk? I just don't fit. I don't, what people want with the NFL is basically, they have to scrap it and start again, you know? Yeah. And I, you know what I didn't realise as well? And maybe I'm just late to the party. And I think it was Mary J. Black. She got interviewed and I didn't know that they didn't get paid to perform. Yeah. And I didn't I Yes, yeah. and I didn't I know that the NFL is, a is actually a charity yeah. and they don't pay taxes. Like, yeah. I was just like, what? <laughs> what? What it's is this? This is, what, this is what kind of scam? What? I didn't know that. When people talk about it being like the, the, like the biggest plantation and stuff, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah for real. For real, for real. Wow. <laughs> but that's why it made me look at it different and even all the black people that are there it was so good for but if it wasn't the nfl i might have been a bit more yeah because of the politics yeah. behind it all i was just like <sighs> but i don't get it because they get i'm sure like super bowl weekend is when advertisers like they get so yeah. much money from the infomercials oh, and stuff yeah. Yeah. so why can they not use some of that to pay the performers like charity or do the chat the networks get it what do you mean? Ah, do do yeah, they, does, does the NFL get the money from advertising or do the networks yeah. get the money? The, network. the, oh. network, the network. Yeah, they get the money from the, the advertising. They would, 
they would license it now, so the yeah. NFL would have to do a deal with the network, so they would get some of the money. Yeah, there's money, that, but it's not advertising. Yeah, the advertising, yeah. yeah. But also they have their own network as well, so they do have their own um, platform, so they get money that way, for sure. It's yeah. a murky business, man. Wow. Murky. It's murky. And uh, on, on Eminem taking the knee... Mm. <laughs> the black performers performed and the white rapper took the knee and my head spun <clears throat> to be honest <laughs> seriously but some people like least could do i think yeah do, do take the knee do more pay lots of your money you've built yourself up on top of like black culture anyway so yeah take the knee that's the least you yeah, can do like really. Show a nipple or something like be an ally. Show a nipple. Okay. <laughs> on that note, moving on, we have what other story we got? We got um, Christina Dick has resigned or was she pushed? Uh, Prince Andrew's reached out for court settlement. Jamaican Black History Month talent and pageant show will ban contestants. So we go to Prince Andrew as that is breaking news. It's like breaking news. news. It's breaking news. Guys, what do you think? He's settled. I'm pissed. Um, Why are you... go on. Okay, I that's like a real admission of guilt. Like, I wanted it to go the whole hog. I wanted like the news to come out. I wanted all the salacious details. I wanted the day in court where all of the details would come out. Settling to me is you're guilty, and now we're not going to hear all of the details because she can't talk again now. You've taken, I'm also disappointed in her for starting this, stirring us all up, and taking a settlement. Doesn't that kind of prove what his legal team was saying, that she's in it for money? No. 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 We don't know what kind of threats are being made in her direction. Yeah. They can kill princesses. Who knows what they can do to bog allegedly, standard allegedly. allegedly. Allegedly agree with Auntie Farah, <laughs> what she allegedly said. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> so, boy, you yeah. never know. I okay. wanted him buried under the jail. Yeah. I really wanted to see him buried under that jail. And it's just a bit frustrating that it's ended this way and that he just gets to get off scot-free. Like this royal family, man. I, I just, yeah, it's very frustrating. Because we all allegedly know that he's allegedly like guilty. But like, I want to see them shamed. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. Outrightly. I think they are. I think he is shamed. He's lost all his titles. He's losing... I think he's probably still oh, going to yeah. be still, right? Do you know what I mean? I don't think... He's not the same... He's not the same Andrew as he was, for sure. So I think if he's had to sell, like, properties and things like that, maybe this is bank bankrupt in him. Do you know what I mean? I just think, obviously, more should happen to him, for sure. But I don't think he's the only one either. And more people... More heads need to roll, to be honest. And... Yeah, I can't, I couldn't see this going any other way than a settlement. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm even surprised they even got to this point. Like, I'm actually surprised because I thought he was going to get off scot, like, completely scot free and not have to answer to anyone. Yeah. And whatever amount she's getting, what she's been through does not compare. It really doesn't compare at all. So it's the very little justice that can be done. But her life is forever changed. And like, you can't, there's no amount of money that can compensate that. Before I go on to, um, to you, Auntie Nana, it said a statement in the letter to US Judge Lewis A. Kaplan said the Duke would make a substantial donation to Mr. Frey's charity in support, of, in support of victims' rights. It added that Prince Andrew had never intended to malign Mr. Frey's character and he recognised she had suffered both as established 
as an established victim of abuse and as a result of unfair public attacks. The Duke also pledged to demonstrate his regret for his association with the late convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein by supporting the fight against the evils of sex trafficking and by supporting its victims. I Firstly, that statement is the biggest pile of hot flaming poo I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> nonsense. Come on. His legal team did set out to make her out. They said she was a slut. They said that she was a money-grabbing fucking whore. So how the hell can you now take back your talk? They said that, oh, why is she bringing this up anyway? She signed an NDA with, with Epstein. Why are we even talking about this? They said all of that. At what point did you say that you felt sorry for her? Yeah, she got in by the short and curlies, basically. And maybe that what's her face that just got done the other day, this might all be tied in with some shit that she was going to talk to talk about too. So yeah. maybe this is why he decided. I, I don't think he was ever going to go to jail because this is all, it was all a civil case anyway. Yeah. But his laundry would have most definitely been aired. He's been shut down by the rest of the royal family. They've been basically telling him, humble your ass. His titles have been taken away, like you said. Charles has apparently said some stuff to him about don't come around me or don't make yourself seen too much. So Andrew had no choice but to pay up. It was, trust me when I say this was the last thing that he wanted to do. But I think that good honour if she's milking him, milking him for everything that she can get from him. Because as Auntie Sade said, it's never going to make up for the stuff that happened to her. Yeah. It's never, ever going to make up for that. He sat in an interview and said, oh, actually, I don't sweat, or I didn't sweat at the time. I had a disease that made, meant that I didn't perspire. Are you all right? Actually, <laughs> mentally unstable, allegedly. And I'm like, <laughs> <just saying>. Allegedly. <laughs> Auntie Nano. I was not my uncle. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, right. Andrew, boy, settled, and that's it, is what it is. Okay, so what else we got? We got Kanye. I've got this thing about me talking about Kanye. But he seems to come up. I feel like we need to talk about Kanye. Why? What's going on? Why? What do you mean? Why? What do you mean? Why? Now he's talking about he's now it seems like threats against Pete and he's counteracting threats against. No, Pete. no, 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 no. And I'm glad yeah. I'm here today to defend my boy because no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's be clear. He never made no threats against Pete. No, no I know. Allegedly, people actually. No, the picture that he'll do with him himself. We don't know in what way. Did you see the picture that he posted alongside he that? Doing with him himself is not a threat, no. The picture. Didn't he wait, give? Wait, didn't he wait. say he was going to give someone his co his colleague money to? to no, no, no. He, no, he said he'll give his colleague money to stop sitting next to him. The yeah. guy from Saturday Night Live. That's and how are people supposed to take that? No, but you say something. Second, we were talking about physical. This is bullying. We were talking. I'm not saying that he's not bullying, but we were okay. talking about physical. He that because he's bullying. He's a bully, man. Boy, Before you continue, the picture that he posted under the fact that he'll do with himself was Ving Rhames holding Tyrese in a super hole. Yeah. Okay, I saw ahead. it. But he's not condoning anyone else doing any acts of violence against Pete or Skeet, as he likes to call him. <laughs> Skeet. He's a, he's a you know what made me laugh, though, yeah? When he showed the screenshots of the messages between him and Kim, he actually calls the guy Skeet to, like, to Kim as well. I'm like, oh, he's just a troll. He's just trolling. It's just... It's not I think he's... I feel like he's going through, like, an episode. I think he's not a hundred percent there at the moment i don't know if he's going through a manic episode or something like that i'm quite worried about him to be to be fair i feel like 
does he have people around him who are checking on his welfare and all of that kind of stuff? Like, I understand that, yeah, when your ex moves on and certain things happen where you're maybe restricted from seeing your kids and stuff, it can be incredibly stressful. But the way he's been moving quite erratically on Instagram, I think, I don't know, I just wish he had people around him who could like just watch out for him. Not to say that like he's like super unstable or anything, but I know that he has spoken about mental health in the past and him having, what was it, him being bipolar, I think. And so I don't know if it's like a manic thing that he's going through at the moment, but it's coming off as quite toxic with sending flowers to Kim and all of these kinds of things, which are quite love bomby and things that you have to watch out for. So I think it's God bless, man. God bless. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's going through a manic state at the moment because I don't. And there's been times when I'm like, this dude definitely needs to get checked on. But I don't feel at the moment that he is. I think that he's just being a little bitch, basically. I think that's what he's being. I don't like, know. I don't know if we can ever know. No, I know. You can't ever know. There's yeah. times when he seemed totally out of his mind, and he's not been out of his mind. He's been fine. So, we, but you know, what, what is weird is that he does have people around him, and they haven't been able to help him. So they, in turn, then start to distance themselves because they can't help him so until he's in a conservatorship to be honest like because that's the direction Mm. where it seems like it's going in if he doesn't pull it together that that he's going to be relieved of his of his free will do you know what I mean it might be it might not be but at the moment it's like you're posting messages you're saying things that are clearly not true that you can't access your kids and then you do have your kids like how do we know that it's not true because it was the day that he said it was the birthday party that he no no i'm not even talking about that i'm talking about the super bowl so he wanted his kids for the super bowl north Mm -hmm. and saint and Mm -hmm. he was saying that he couldn't have them and then he did have them so it's just like do you have to go to to that extreme every single time like he won't sign the paperwork to relieve us so kim can be deemed as a single do you know what I mean? These are all really toxic things. So if he is happening, and I'm pretty sure there are people around him saying this to him. I don't believe he's in a complete bubble. Do you know what I mean? But he's just not listening. He's not able to listen listen because he's going for an episode. So until the law steps in, I think we're just going to see much more of this, unfortunately. But like you said, how do we know that he's going for an episode? We don't, I don't really know. I don't. That's what I said. I don't know. We can't say. We can't say. Oh, Auntie Nana. I, I I agree with like all of you. I go back and forth on it. What I do know is what he's doing is quite exemplary of somebody who is being stalked. Like everything he's doing is is pretty much stalking him. And if mm. you if this wasn't Kanye and we wasn't watching it, and one of our exactly. girls was telling us he is showing our messages to, yeah. to his friends. He is sending me flowers. If I say no to something, he is going to my family to get my wishes overturned. We'd all be like, you know what? You should probably consider speaking to the police about this. Yeah, absolutely. And then buying the house next door to her. Like, it's it's all very predatory. Yeah. Yeah. But then at the same time, he when he explains things, I'm a bit like, oh, I see where he's doing, but it's still toxic. I, I understand him a little bit as well, but overall, it is, isn't that a narcissist would do? They can explain their ways away. 
if you're just talking to them and you don't know what their victim is thinking. So watching it, I am like, no, this is really off behaviour and peace and prayers to them. I definitely think it's toxic, definitely. From as far as it goes as his relationship with Kim, I think his behaviour is definitely toxic. I said that from the beginning. Like, who wants that type of shit? When you're done with someone, you're done with someone. And I said ages ago, Kim's done with him and he's going to have to get to grips with that at some stage or another. He's going to have to get to grips with that. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I wish that Pete would shut up as well, though, because no one focuses on, on the shit that he says. I don't think he makes it any easier when he goes on Saturday Night Live and starts talking shit too. I don't think... I think both of them need to respect Kim and her feelings because she's probably the only one that isn't coming out and saying too much because she knows them both and she knows what they're both like. I don't know. It's kind of mad. For Pete to sit there and say you should take your meds when he's been off meds himself and had episodes and and you can only decide how certain medication works for you. I don't know if he's got the right to say stuff like that. He might um, be one of the only people that really understands. I was about to say that. You know. As I said, <laughs> meds act differently. wouldn't necessarily say that Kanye should take <laughs> his meds. I heard you. I was saying the same. I was going to say the same thing. Like of all the people, if someone's on meds, then meds to meds can talk, meds to meds talk. And I don't know the who started. Who start, I feel like, I, from my positioning, who started the backbiting? So was did Pete start teasing Kanye on SNL before Kanye started coming for him? So to be honest, for me, it'll be like who's is he, if he's defending himself, then he has every right to, especially if someone's going for him. I and think Kim's appearance on it stemmed from from that yeah okay I think he was quite involved in the writing of some of the sketches oh so. okay 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 so that's the thing so there's mm-hmm. there's who who bit first and then who's defending themselves and whatever I think that the encouragement and the support because what Kanye's also been doing is, is sharing the tweets and support of him and stuff like that so I think everyone involved in liking his post and stuff like that giving him the attention it's just feeding the beast poking the bear and I think that's where the public is should not be it's very we, we've gone past that society will get involved but we need to stop liking his posts and supporting everything because the we only get a perspective that we don't have the full story we don't even know kim's side of things don't know pete's side of things we don't know kanye's side of things outside of what we've been presented in the whole world so what everyone i think should do stop liking the post stop stop commenting which is, is impossible because we're feeding a beast that we don't know anything about people saying that kim taking kim's side taking kanye's side I agree that if it was one of my friends going through whatever kind of thing, I would be like, listen, girl, you need to run. Yeah. <laughs> it's not funny. I don't think it's funny to me. I don't I think it's this is a lot, whether he's on his meds or off his meds. Yeah. Been... For the kids, at the end of the day, the main thing is like the kids are gonna see all of this exactly. shit. That's who I think Absolutely. Yeah. The internet shit survives forever online. They're gonna see this. It's not no way to behave. Yeah, you're not together. Like, let's all be decent about it. So that's my main thing. What's interesting about what you said about humans and liking all this toxicity online and things like that is I've noticed is in the last three days, his social media has gone up by 1.5 million. Wow. Yeah. Who Kanye? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And he probably is probably feeling this fire. I do think there is a conversation around like people who have these types of conditions and when they especially when they have a platform and when they're when it seems like they're out of sorts, like how that is actually really managed. Do you know what I mean? Because it is we could be watching someone's like live demise. Do you know, mm-hmm. that's unfortunately what we could be watching and it's that is 
horrible. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think it's just really difficult because then if that person is also a narcissist or chauvinistic or do you know what I mean? Just a general arsehole as well. It's really difficult just to separate what is the mania and what is just their personality. Yeah. Agreed. All right. I think we'll go maybe one or two more and then move on. We've got the bleaching. We've got. Oh, should I just do comments real quick? Oh, actually, yes. You people in the comments. Sorry, guys. Let's go. Me says, please tell Kanye that we are tired. <laughs> this shook him. Uh, we told you. You were warned. You didn't listen because of love, but now you want to weaponize the community in your fight. And also says, real friends would take away his phone and speak to him properly and let him know this behavior is not okay. And moreover, it isn't a good look for his kids to see. Yeah, there we go. All right. Elon Musk torturing monkeys. Club Ampho talking about removing fibroids. That's an interesting... I didn't hear that. I didn't, Nana, do you want to explore that? Okay, so she put a post mm. up, I think this was maybe Friday. Was it yesterday? Or fr yeah. I think it was Friday that she had the surgery. I think I saw that. Um, but it seemed to pop up for me yesterday as well. So that's probably the algorithms. But she had surgery. The, the name of the surgery escapes me for a second. But she had fibroids. I think there was a few of them. One was the size of a mango, the other a lemon, and a few the size of grapes. And she had been suffering with this for five years. Wow. I have a few friends that have had their fibroids removed, but also just having heavy periods for years. Like I'm talking like it was maybe 15 years of knowing they have heavy periods, that they dealt with it, they were always sick, and then eventually went to the doctors and found out that they had really big fibroids, but had never really gone and got that checked out. So I just wanted to know, if you guys had any stories, if you had suffered from the same thing, and if you know what the symptoms are as well, have you had yourself checked out? So I have fibroids currently, and I only found out about them 2017 when one of them exploded oh, <laughs> inside wow. of me. Yeah, so if, since I started my periods, I always had really heavy incredibly heavy periods and it would go on for eight days so my cycle was like eight days of really and so every time I had my period I had to use like because I was too scared to use like tampons I just yeah. yeah I couldn't use them so I used like the night like the always like the night pads that was the only ones that I could use and I got put on birth control and my periods lessened to six days and then I, just, I remember like I was at work like in 2017 I was in the office and I had period pains, but it wasn't my time to, it wasn't that time of the month. And I was just like, something is not right. And so I was monitoring them over the next couple hours to the point where I had to tell my boss that I had to go home or go to the hospital because it was excruciating. So I remember got an Uber because I couldn't take public transport because at the time that I left, I was hunching over because I couldn't stand up straight because wow. of the pain. And then got the, got an Uber to my local hospital and I was telling them that I was having these really terrible cramps and it was happening like every four or five minutes. And I'm not, I don't like to draw attention to myself. I really don't. But when I was in the hospital, I was screaming. I was on my own. And every time it happened, I would scream. And then I started hemorrhaging on the floor. And they left me in, in the emergency, in the reception for four hours before no. I was seen. No. So I was... Yeah, so I was bleeding out on the floor and everybody was coming over to see if I was okay. The receptionist was just like, just give us some paracetamol, she's fine. No way. Yeah, and- What was that? 
St. George's Hospital in oh, Tooting. Oh, hospital is notorious. Yeah, no. St. And I think it's, I used to work there as well, like way back oh, in the day. Really? I used to work in like the trauma and orthopedics department, like way back in the day. And oh. yeah, I went to St. George's and they left me there. I kept asking for help. Like I'm bleeding. Everything was soaked. There was blood on. It looked like a horror movie. And like it took one of the other white patients to go up to the receptionist to be like, you need to see this girl because she's bleeding out for them to come and take me up. So then I was an inpatient for a while they thought they didn't know what it was they thought it was like my spleen they thought it was my appendix so then they were like okay we're gonna have surgery to take the appendix out and I was like it's not my appendix it's in my womb area but every time I tried to relate to the doctor where the pain was he just seemed to think that he knew exactly where it was so two hours before I was supposed to have surgery for my appendix uh, a gynecologist came in and, he, and she was like yeah it's not your appendix you actually have eight fibroids and so that was when I was told that one of them had twisted into itself and just like, just burst and had several scans, loads of internal scanning and things. And so I currently have, yeah, I've got eight and one of them is like the size of a grapefruit. I've got two mangoes in there and like an orange and they're really huge. And when I went to go and ask about my options at the gynecologist, she said, yeah, black women are more likely to have fibroids. And then I kid you not she said it must be all of that plantain and yam that you eat no she did no she said it with the straightest of faces she was no. like yeah you need to cut back on all of the african Actual food fuck. because apparently plantain has uh, a lot of estrogen in it which i don't think it has but basically no. fibroids live on estrogen uh, that's what makes them get bigger so for me i've had to cut out soy so any kind of yeah. soy and a lot of red meats i don't really eat yeah. anymore but basically she was like if you want to have a myomectomy which i think is what uh, clara had i would have to lose 14 stone what? what and i was just like oh, that's, a, that's a whole like teenager wait i and i was like wait why because there are plus there are loads of plus size people who have surgery especially if they're having weight loss surgery like yeah. they can have yeah. the surgery she was like no because the anesthetics and we might run yeah. out of anesthetic yeah. and it might it was wait, very wait, fat phobic yes. oh my god that's this is crazy fat phobic. so much yeah she was she like said, you can eat pardon she said that you would run out of anesthetic run out of anesthetic and then your heart rate might drop because of the weight so she's you can either have that or you can have a hysterectomy or no. you can just or you can just wait and then just see what happens so what? I was like I really want kids I'm 32 like I would want to have kids so I was like I'm not having that I'm gonna wait and because at the moment one of the one a really good treatment for fibroids is to have the contraceptive implant in, the, in my arm so okay. that's what I've had for four years and literally mm -hmm. everything has just stopped no pain wow. my uh, fibroids when I went to go and get a fertility check last year because I was getting really nervous about like how is it affecting my fertility they said everything was absolutely fine and that they've actually shrunk because Ooh. of this implant and so I haven't had periods for four years it's I was going to been... say because the implant did yes. the opposite to me it gave me a period for the whole duration oh. I had it's so. so temperamental that thing but it's been such a That's life send it's been good and yeah and so I've just been having that and just trying to watch what I eat with regards to the estrogen bits but yeah apparently fibroids is a lot more common in black women mm. this gynecologist I don't know what she's saying about yam and plantain but nobody's taking my plantain away from me I can right. say that today was this St George's as well the, was a the gynecologist from there as well somewhere the, else no, so the gynecologist was St. Mary's around Kingston area. St. Mary's, Queen, Queen Mary's Hospital. Yeah. 
I'm just so disgusted by everything that you've told me there from the minute that you got to the hospital. It's that black pain thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. uh, this is why so many black women pass away after childbirth because it, they're just ignored. You're sitting there bleeding and they're telling yeah. you it's your appendix to the point where they're actually scheduling to take your appendix out. It's just, yeah. I, I'm, my mind is blown. And to have the audacity to tell you you eat too much plantain and, and, and yam, that's the reason why. And I submitted a, a complaint to Powers because okay. I overheard one of the nurses saying, oh, just keep her on, just keep her on paracetamol. She'll be okay with the pain. Oh. And I heard that specific phrase. Eventually I had to end up, I ended up going on morphine for four days and like being semi-comatose because yeah. that's how bad the pain was. But when I heard that nurse say, I'll just give her paracetamol, she can handle the pain. That's when I knew you guys are very racist. Yes. And yeah, went to Powell's and everything, had it escalated. I'm still waiting for them. It's been like, what, five years? I'm still, I chase up like a couple of times a year to see what their decision is, but yeah. It was one of the worst pains I've ever had in my life. It's just, it's horrible. They gave me gas and air and everything. Like it was, yeah, it was wow. wild. I was not expecting that response. And no, nor was I. I. Like, but and thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Yeah, for, mm. for this segment and our demographic, I actually think that's the, the best response I could have hoped for just bringing this up because that's a lived experience. And yeah no quite a few people were very similar not necessarily like the hospital and, and the explosion I didn't even know fibroids did that actually mm. but just not actually it being followed up properly not experiencing getting an ultrasound when you're saying that like my cramps are excruciating it's just always take more medication wear thicker pads and the option of the contraception, but not everybody wants that as well. And it doesn't work for everybody as well. So thank God it has been working for you. Do you know what size it shrunk down to now? So I think at the moment they're like the, the nurse, when I went to the fertility clinic said that they're like the size of like oranges. So still quite big. And I think in I the future- I, On oranges still, a, that's a good that's bit a of good Yeah. So I think at some point, I will think in the future perhaps about taking them out, but the thing is that they grow back so you can't get rid of them permanently I think that's one thing a lot of people need to know is that they do grow back so my thing is do I go through the trauma of having surgery only for them to come back a year later or do I take that risk and then when I am ready to have kids do I take the risk and try and get pregnant anyway and see what happens or do I have to lose like this 50 I don't believe I have to lose 15 stone but like that sounds ridiculous. That's going to take me years. That's, that's just, going to be minus. I don't understand. They say you need to weigh the size of a small child. Like I don't. I literally don't understand. A fifteen stone is not a small child. That is literally. No, I mean like. What are they telling you? Like I don't like a. Do they want to get down for a baby? I she did. Yeah, she didn't even weigh me. She didn't even because I'm like. So oh. you want me to lose fifteen stone, but then. That would mean that I'm more, how much do I weigh them? What, three what stone, like four stone? That's what I'm saying. The size of a baby or a small, like what is wrong with them? Fucking hell. I'm really disgusted. I can't, I'm, I shouldn't even be disgusted because we hear these sort of things all the time mm. from black women and how they're treated. When yeah. you go to, it's just, but the level, she said to you, consider a hysterectomy. Yeah, she was like, yeah, you, should, you can do a hysterectomy. We can start giving you, or we can give you, and this is the option quite a few women take as well, is that they have an early menopause. Mm. 
So they will start having medication because there's, what's the name of of the medication? There's a medication that can start early menopause. And a lot of women who are like in their mid to late 30s, 40s tend to take that option if they know that then they don't want to have kids. But then I'm starting to hear stories of like younger girls going onto that option as well. Because I don't think that option is, well, I don't think it's reversible at all. But she didn't ask my, like my lifestyle choices, whether I wanted to have kids and all of these kinds of things. And to be given those options when I was what 27 or whenever it was just like you're scaring me you're not giving me any kind of any kind of hope at all and it it really traumatized me for a few months because my worst thing personally is like the prospect of never being able to have children naturally it's just always been a thing of mine I've always wanted to be a mum, and so to hear it so with no empathy in Mm. in her tone in her voice she was just like yeah these are your options and I was just like Screw you, man. Do you think like that? Because there's going to be girls out there that that get this, women that get this information and they just feel like they have no choice because the pain that they're in, Mm. they're like, maybe I do just go ahead and do that. And they they might not have anyone around them or might not, you know, be as strong as you in in your conviction of, fuck Mm. you, I'm going to do what I need to do for myself. It's just, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Let's get the comments. You're supposed to be in the the world caring for people. Yeah. And it depends on how many fibroids you have. Like my auntie had fibroids. She had 88 taken out of her. Oh. 88. But they were tiny. They were like grapes. But they ones. were like, eight, yeah, they were tiny. But I was just like, so sometimes you, there are procedures where you have to do it. If it's making the situation worse, where it's like unbearable pain every day, then sometimes that is the only option. But if it's not as severe... Because with fibroids, for the most part, you can live with it every day. It's like a, as long as you have the pain relief, it is a thing where, because they're not cancerous, they just live in the womb, just chilling, being annoying. So it's one of those things where it's, if you can live with it, then do, but always just check up every couple of years just to see, just to make sure that they're not growing kind of thing. Let's get the comments. Cool. Natalie says, that's awful to hear about St. George's Hospital. It's my local hospital. I hope they have improved since then. And sorry that you went through that. Shirley says, waste of time going to PALS. They cover their backs. And also says, had fibroids, then hysterectomy. Before the hysterectomy, they gave me free injections of Zoladex to apparently shrink my uterus. Long story short, I kept on telling them about the side effects. No one listened. Had to have a mastectomy. Three months later, oh sorry, mastectomy. Sorry, my pronunciation. Three months later, oh my god! Wow. Um, thank you for sharing as well, Shelley. Akoya says the UK loves to have black women believe that we are more adversely affected by almost everything. Fibroids affects one in three women in the UK. Black women make up two percent of the UK population, so it's impossible for us to have it more than anybody else. It's just not possible. And also says my plant medicine teacher cured herself of fibroids with an endometriosis. She used a combination of anti-use diet and snake medicine. They're over 46. Okay, cool. There's a preference of advice online, I think. Do you know what I mean? And also speak to your doctor and your GP as well, kind of thing, if you're suffering from any of these types of things. Yeah, definitely. Because oh, I was going to, my thing was going to be, what are the natural root things that you can do, the holistic ways you can do to get rid of these treatments? So it's definitely something that you speak to your doctor about. And I went to a naturopath. My fibroids were very small and I only had four. And so they were shrinkable. But my doctor actually was like, you could probably sort this out by changing your diet and yeah. then seeing a naturopath. So that's what I did. I went to, I, I, first of all, I tried 
Chinese medicine and got herbs and stuff. And then I just went on a, a strict kind of yeast cleanse. So, it, and it was just all drinking stuff. And then after I had my child, had another scan and they had all gone. So there definitely are ways Really? To, yeah, it was like a, lizard, a liver cleanse and colon cleanse, um, taking out sugar, soy, um, really being quite strict for a little while on like what I was eating, lots of greens, can agitate bile and stuff. So that also can inflame bits and make it more violent. And and it, and because they do grow, as you said, like when they cut it off, it can come back again. It's trying to stem the growth in your nerves. So there's just lots of things that you can ingest to shrink them further. But mine was so small, it was easy mm. to do. But it's still worth looking into the different ways that you can take various natural things definitely because i think surgery isn't for everybody definitely there's there's lots of horror stories with surgery as well so mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. i always try and go down the natural route before surgery yeah i think go i was saying explore all options yeah, yeah. no I was, I was just gonna go back to when you were talking about when you were younger and you had very heavy periods and they lasted for eight days and the first one of the first thing they did was put you on contraceptive like i think that is the standard that they do as well without yeah. actually maybe what they should do at that point is give people a scan and see what's happening because it could have actually saved you years of pain if they'd looked at it then and then you were able to manage it in many different ways from that age because i think mm. like i had very similar periods to what you said like i don't have fib- fibroids but fibroids but i I had eight day periods, really heavy, super painful, used to throw up. And the first thing they did was put me on contraceptive. And I just feel like they maybe need to look at women's health in a little, with more options rather than being 15, 16, and they're giving you the pill or whatever the hell it might be at that point in time. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just the healthcare yeah. for women, it's just obscene. Yeah. I think- I think I always say the same, like they're so quick to medication and operation but not looking at natural options as well. I hate that, that they force those type of things on us. And I really, Aquia has said, yeah, maybe get in touch with her. She like, there's all sorts of ways to heal yourself, but just make sure you're informed and not everything works. Natural doesn't work for everyone. And the, the typical traditional ways of medicine and healing doesn't always work for everyone. Yeah, so that's- sometimes it's a combination of both, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's like they're not treating the whole person. If you're just looking at fibroids as is it's separate from the whole person, their whole being, and you just treat that, then they're going to come back again. But if they actually treated us holistically, like you're looking at everything, all of our organs, how is it functioning? What's our blood? You're probably going to have more lasting effects. But is that adding to your monetary value if people don't have to keep on relying on medicine? It's, so mm. it's really getting a scope of everything because they do have the machinery to be able to check you over properly and then maybe bringing that information to a naturopath may offer another scenario as well working in conjunction with I think it's definitely best to look at your whole body in its entirety and not just one part that is showing a symptom because it could be from somewhere else totally and it's actually if I just treated this area of me my kidneys my fibroids may go. We don't know how everything is all connected because that's not how they're looking. Mm. All right, guys. Thank you very much. If you're just tuning in, this is Your Aunties Could Never, a podcast for cool aunties and uncles everywhere. It's where you get no-nonsense straight talk from four cool aunties straight from the chest who aren't afraid to say all the things you wish you could say. And we are joined from a very 
special, bias very special, cousin Stephanie, and welcome. Just a note to everybody, if you listen to the show via our podcast platforms, please don't forget to write your reviews on Apple Podcasts. The higher our reviews are, the higher and more reviews we get, the higher we get, the bigger we get, and we get more auntie wonderfulness in your lives, serving you all the auntie richness that you need. So please don't forget to leave your comments and reviews on Apple and Spotify. Um, now it's time for aunties get in your business 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 and that's i haven't missed that you'll see there's two salty aunties on um cousin stephanie that don't appreciate my intro no but we do appreciate (laughs) and talent don't we auntie shade we do and that wasn't it so (laughs) oh i love it Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's lies, Stephanie. Stephanie. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, no, I love it. Thank you, cousin <laughs> Stephanie. Look how she's saying it. No, 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 I love it. This is what we aunties are going to get in your business, cousin Stephanie. And yeah, let's just take it away. I will start. So I'm going to ask you, please, can you introduce yourself properly and tell us what it is you actually do? Okay, my name's Stephanie and I am a content creator that works within the scope of self-love, body image, some body positivity. Outside of that, I also like to do a lot of fashion bits, beauty, skincare, travel and lifestyle. But what I try and do is I try and wrap all of that with a kind of body positive sort of self-love angle. Outside of that, I'm also a freelance journalist and I am an author of a book called Fatally Ever After. Before I go to Auntie Farah to ask the next question, what, what's your, what do you call yourself in? What do you call that in one nutshell? Do you have that? Do you know what? I just say I'm a writer. I feel like because I do more writing. Yeah. Right. If I'm like pre-boyfriend, if I had a, 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 tum- a Bumble bio or something and it has like the occupation on the profile, I always just put like writer or I'll just say content creator, mm. actually, to make it a bit, yeah, it encapsulates all, all of the photography slash writing and, and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, because you mentioned body, body positivity and you're quite vocal about this. At what point mm. in your life, okay, was it a realisation to yourself that being bigger didn't fit in with society's standards of beauty when I was 11 and I was I just started secondary school and I was in the girls changing room after PE and I just I remember that day I was looking around at everyone getting undressed not in like a pervy way just like in a oh okay kind of thing and I just felt this instance of shame because my body didn't look the same way everybody else's did. I was quite chubby as a child and I just felt so othered and different. Primary school, I was very carefree and I didn't really have those kinds of concerns. But as soon as I started secondary school, because I guess I started getting bullied like in the first week of secondary school, it stuck with me in my head. And for the next five years of school, I was predominantly bullied because of my um, weight, but then also my skin color as well. And yeah, from secondary school, year nine, I developed depression, a depression and was put on antidepressants. And it just, yeah, it just ruined my self-esteem and the way in which I, I looked at myself. So yeah, from a very young age, it was really drummed into me that the way that I look is significantly different and people are going to be very horrible to you based on these outside factors. 
Wow. Wow. What encouraged you to make uh, a positive move into the limelight as an advocate? I think so for me, I think it was definitely starting my blog and being a bit more creative when I was in university. So in uni, I, I've always been quite creative and I really love writing, but I never really had the opportunity to do it that much. And <laughs> in uni, firstborn Ghanaian daughter, I've of course studied law mm-hmm. because my parents wanted me to study law. They want me to be how it goes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I didn't really have that opportunity to be that creative. And so as a side thing, I created like uh, a little blog where I would it was first I was talking about very superficial things so like gadgets and movies and fashion and all of those kinds of things and then around 2014 I just started being very raw on there I used it as a diary where I would talk about the thing I hate about my body today the thing I hate about this body this diet that I'm doing and all of these kinds of things and I would also use tumblr as well where I would see images and videos that would encourage me to lose as much weight as possible to go on this diet that diet and after a while it was like okay I'm getting quite a good response from people who seem to identify with how I'm feeling and it takes quite it was quite a big thing to be so vulnerable online so publicly especially as a black woman as well where we are always being told to be strong or coming across as strong and things and I started writing a lot more about my struggles with body image and how I was able to how I was getting through that on a week-to-week basis and I combined that with my love of fashion and at the time there were little to no brands that were creating clothing for plus-size women it was terrible we literally only had and no shade to them like Evans and (laughs) yeah like Marks and Spencer and all of the clothes were very maternal and it was you know as a yeah like as yeah like as as a 15 year old I didn't want to dress like a 45 year old and I started being creative with my looks and it was around the time that ASOS brought out ASOS Curve which was a turning point for me because their clothes were quite current and young and modern but they did plus size and so I started shooting looks and, and ways that I could express myself through fashion and combined it with still talking about messages of self-love and confidence and self-esteem and I think it was me being quite open and vulnerable that kind of started getting people to read my blog and so I combined that with Instagram as well so curating images and and things that made me feel good about myself and yeah from 2014 onwards onwards is when it started the ball started to get rolling with that part and throughout everything I've always been working like full-time so all of the blog stuff and the Instagram stuff I was doing at lunchtime after work and all of these like before work and taking pictures and stuff and then I've only been full-time in content creating for two years or two and a half years and yeah it's still quite a new thing for me to be doing it full time but yeah it's been quite a so exciting it's so cool though that that's been your journey it's really cool oh thank you but now you're working so now you're like self-employed and you're doing this all yourself what is the day in the life it's definitely looked like what's it like Oh gosh, it can vary. It can vary. So a lot of the time is spent with me shooting. So I'm either behind the camera or in front of it. So I tend to shoot a lot of other people for their campaigns and things if they need help. I do tend to work with a lot of brands, which is really cool. So I'll get brief sent in and then if they say we want to work with Steph on this shoe brand or this clothing brand and so I'll work with my photographer and we'll go out on location and shoot a lot of editing videos and images I can I'll 
also write maybe two or three articles a week as well if I've been commissioned to write some stuff what else do I do a lot of the time is spent like at Albright so I'm just like in the workspace just like typing away I'm also currently trying to work on a second book so a lot of it is just writing trying to come up with ideas for what to do with the second books sometimes going to events in the evening if there's something going on but a lot of the time it's literally just either me with photoshop uh not photoshop um lightroom or windows movie maker or something and just recording or editing or yeah recording and editing and writing and repeat a lot of creative stuff that's good that's good I have to say, your feed definitely inspires me, like 100% to kind of more photos and take more risks and stuff. I love the colours, I love the the posing, oh my God, I've definitely learned some poses, like the confidence is brilliant. And I often wonder, how do you manage that all? Like, what does work-life balance like look like? you it's quite bad actually because what's (laughs) developed is that I now don't really sleep because I used to do it synonymous alongside working full-time from the age of like 21 onwards I've developed quite bad insomnia so I tend to go to sleep around 3 4 a.m every day now which is terrible but I'm always I find that I'm quite active from about midnight onwards so I'll start writing proposals and I also consult with brands and PR agencies as well if whether it's writing presentations and things like that and it's so ingrained in what I do because I talk about so much it's almost like me the personal me and like the work me is now one which is not good because I do want to have the separation there um but because I really enjoy what I do, it doesn't feel like work. And that's the problem <laughs> because it's, I could be at home just like watching TV, but still typing away. But I'm not clocking that I'm actually working because yeah. I'm really enjoying it. And yeah. I think those boundaries are things that I need to start implementing because I'm always like sending emails at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. kind of thing. Like I find it very difficult to switch off. And so for this year, I'm trying to learn how to yeah just switch off and not be up till 2am sending Mm. emails or writing stuff down so it's fun because it doesn't feel like work but equally it can get quite it can be quite a high pressured environment as well if you've got loads of things coming in at the same time or like deadlines coming in at the same time you're amongst friends (laughs) yeah i think i definitely have to learn how to not start my day at midnight. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, hard. it's hard because it's, yeah. Um, but it's also so- nice because it's quiet at that time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we all are all definitely in the same boat. So you are a woman who's in the public eye and women are always being challenged for as experts and what we know from what we don't know. So how do you navigate being respected for the work you do as a public speaker as a model as an expert of your field especially when we are discussing being paid equally to our white counterparts in these spaces and just being respected for the fact that you do know what you're talking about as a black woman I try not to be I try not to make myself smaller for the comfort of others I think it's very easy to do especially within content creation because it's such a white field and a lot of black creators have had to almost change their personalities or change how they say things or the kind of content they create because they I guess to them it feels like they'll get more work that way because more white eyes are looking at their work and so 
it's if you want to work with the big brands and do all of these things you have to present a certain aesthetic even as a black woman and that's something that I've that's something that I just refuse to do like I I want to continue to stay unapologetically me unapologetically black loud and very raw and I don't want to and I don't like to condense any kind of my content to fit a specific mold and so for me I'm always I always try to be as honest as, as possible so showing the highs but also showing the lows and I think one thing that has worked for me is continuously especially when it comes to the subjects of like relationships and dating and all of those things I've always been very honest to the point where people have dragged me on Twitter and message boards and forums saying well how come how could she say this like why is she showing all, all of her L's and stuff like that but everybody is going through it in their own way and because I felt so unseen growing up and I always felt like I was the only one that did this or I was the only one that looked like this and nobody else is going through those issues so I'm it, I must be the problem I didn't have that so it felt so isolating growing up but with some of the stories that I have shared online seeing the influx of people who are currently or have gone through the same thing feeling seen and feeling heard and being able to exchange stories and advice has been one of the best things for me I think because I think with influencers and content creators we have a reputation unfortunately and it's I think a lot of that is due to the types of influencers that 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 are given the visibility. So mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's slim, white, Molly Mae type women, which is which is fine. But those are the women that are normally pushed to the front because of how they look. And people forget that there are influencers that are doing like really cool things. It's not all about like mirror pics and stuff. There are sustainability influencers, tech, but a plus size. There are so many other deeper issues that people talk about online. And so for me, it's just trying to be very true to what I talk about, just to be very down to earth and honest. And I don't want to try and fit into the mold of what an influencer is supposed to be. I just want to be very, yeah, just keep to me and what I do. Actually, it follows on from what you were just saying. Have you ever seen it like as a burden or do you get burnout from actually being like one of the go-to people to speak about fat black women plus side fashion? Does that ever get too much? It doesn't. I think the only thing I think about that is that I wish there were more of us. I wish, especially in the UK, it, it got to a point where it was like there were barely any fat black women who were like hyper visible in the UK. And it saddened me because... We were there, a lot of us were there, but because of the movements that were around at the time that we were involved in, so the body positive movement and mm. things like that, that were taken over by white women, it was the white fat women that were escalated and they were the ones that were exalted and everybody else was left in the lurch, which was weird because it was black fat women that kind of created that movement. And so for us to be marginalized in favor of the socially acceptable body type and skin color was very wild and so a lot of activists and influencers like they weren't as vocal um as they wanted to be okay. now 2021 2022 i'm seeing a lot more which is amazing but back then it was a lot of pressure because i guess just trolling i'd be yeah. trolled a lot people will take my pictures and put them on before and after shots and make memes wow. out of them and things like that but for me I've always, I just, I'm a gobshite, I think. I just don't <laughs> stop talking. Like, I have been, like, blacklisted by brands because I've called them out 
for not being as diverse or as inclusive or racist or whatever the case may be. And a lot of influencers at the time wouldn't do that because they wanted to keep their contracts. They wanted to yeah. keep, they wanted to keep making money with them. But for me, I was like, uh -uh, I'm not going to compromise my integrity by doing that. So I would be very vocal. And I think I really had to push my way into the industry. And one of the reasons I think I'm still here is because I was very, what's the word? I just didn't give up at all. Yeah. And I just talking and just talking like a talking babe until people <laughs> would eventually hear, <laughs> hear me. So, yeah. Sorry, I have a B question. Just mm -hmm. within the space, is there a camaraderie though? Like, is there like a solidarity between other influencers in your space? Like, do you work well with each other? Is there a sisterhood? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But it also depends on the spaces. So there's like the fashion space, and then there's a plus size fashion space, which kind of work and gel well together. The beauty space is a space that I don't necessarily want to be a part of, especially in the US, because it's a lot of drama sometimes. And sometimes you're just looking from the outside in and it's just, just stress because it's like backstabbing and this and that and people talking about this person. So we don't really have that much in the UK, but in the US, it's like a big sort of thing where people actually make YouTube channels that document the drama of influencers wow. and YouTubers. And it's wild. But within the body positive space, it's everyone gets on, but there's a bit of a schism because it's like the larger fat women of color, black women, disabled women, all of the women who were at the kind of forefront of the movement who started it are on one side. And then you've got the very the either slim or like acceptable faces, acceptable, curvy, white faces of the movement who have now commandeered the movement that, you know, was supposed to be for safe, uh, a safe space for larger fat bodies. They've taken over the space and now they're like up here. And so while we do get on, there is a bit of a divide. And yeah, a lot of us don't really associate with the body positive movement necessarily anymore. But from what I can see, everybody's very friendly. I'm very friendly with anyone. I just, I don't go into drama because it's just, yeah, it's just long. But from what I see, like everybody's really friendly and collaborates and gets on obviously yesterday was valentine's day and you're in a new relationship however like you made person of the week maybe a couple of uh weeks ago now thing we was really singing your praises i i nominated you by the way i'll just say that oh thank but, you um, basically and and one of the reasons was because obviously you do amazing things really inspiring and that but we were a bit taken aback by you announcing your relationship not that part obviously but like the reaction it got mm. kind of thing mm. and getting a negative reaction and i know so it's going to a bit of a negative space but Oh, could you talk us through what happened there? What was that about? And Yeah, sure. So I had been umming and ahhing about even posting him on my feed because I, I had always said if I was to ever get into a relationship, I would never post anything about that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. because I'm not somebody that is used to getting into a relationship. Like this is like my proper like first-ish one. So naturally, you know, I was very excited and just very happy and wanted to share that part because for most of my writing journey and most of the articles that I've written, I do speak a lot about themes of desirability and loneliness and being 
alone in your mid-20s, the difficulties of dating when you are plus size because we are faced with things like fat phobia and um, fetishes mm. and other really gross things that are just, yeah, just despicable. And so I speak a lot about that. And so I guess over time I developed a sort of community of other plus size women who felt the same way that I felt in terms of how difficult it was. And, and so over time, I developed a kind of community of women who were able to share their stories and just talk about their fails and dating and things like that. So when I entered a relationship, I was a bit like, oh, like I feel, I almost feel bad for being public about it. But then I did it anyway, because I was like, look, I'm happy. And this will probably be like the first and only time that I'll show him and all of that kind of stuff. And the reaction, the the overall reaction was really positive. Like it was, I wasn't expecting how positive it would be. It was lovely. But then I noticed like in my DMs. So I actually got 13 messages from different women. This isn't, I'm just throwing it out there. They were all white women. I had yeah. a bit of a theory about that. But uh, yeah, and so I decided to post one of the messages that I received, which was the longest message, but they all had the same kind of tone, which was, I'm unfollowing you because I followed you for all of the content about you being single and lonely and depressed and how difficult it is to be fat and single. And now you're in a relationship and it just feels like a betrayal of sorts or whatever. And so I'm unfollowing because I can't relate to you anymore. And I just remember seeing the message and the others. And I was just like, this is really wild because it was like, these women had been following me just to, as a as a like misery loves company type thing. Like mm -hmm. you were supporting me when I was talking about how depressed and upset and lonely I felt. But now that I'm happy, it's like the support has gone. So it, I almost felt like a trauma mule for yeah. them. And I was just like, if you want to go, then go, because that's not the kind of support or follow followers that I need is that when you're here for the low parts, it's very insidious because it almost feels like they are thinking I'm, in a really shitty situation or I'm in a really bad situation but I feel good because at least I know that this person is in a worse situation than me mm. and now that I'm not in that situation they feel bad about themselves or even worse and they project it onto me and yeah I decided to show it because I was just like this is it's not cool it's almost like the person was saying that she wanted me to break up with my boyfriend to make her feel better about herself yeah. eh, wow. what do you mean so yeah that whole thing was just really it was mind boggling. It was weird. It was really weird. Yeah. What's your, so what's your theory? Why do you think that these white women in particular felt it necessary to actually message you? Because it's one thing to think that, but to actually actively message mm. someone and say yeah. that. So what do you, what's your theory behind that? I don't know. It's just like the audacity of it all. And I think definitely since the whole, the BLM protests in 2019 and the George Floyd thing, there have been a lot of white people who have been attaching themselves to blackness in some way, shape or form, whether as an ally or a supporter or outwardly performatively trying to say that they want to do more and listen to voices of color and things. And that's all great and stuff. But I did receive an influx of those kinds of followers, which is fine. But it almost feels, and we see it in movies as well, where it's like whenever you have black women in white movies or white spaces, it's like always the help, whether the help or we're the best friend or we're the friend that helps the white woman get the date or we're the friend that the friend that helps the person do this. We don't really have any narratives or any arcs of our own. And a lot of us, especially black um, activists and influencers online, 
we do tend to do a lot of advocacy work, helping people to love themselves and believe in themselves. And so it's almost like I've taken this role, this almost mammy type role of having to constantly reassure women of their worth and things. And it's now that I'm at a point where I have my worth and I'm in a relationship where I'm happy, it's it's almost like it's a slight to them. The same two days after that happened, my friend Demi, um, who's also black, also had exactly the same thing happen to her when she was talking about her ADHD diagnosis and how she was she's now been diagnosed with it. She's 26 and she's only just been diagnosed with it. And she had a white woman come to her mention saying that she's unfollowing because Demi was privileged in getting an appointment and that white woman couldn't get an appointment. So why are you bragging about getting an appointment? And Demi was like, she's been having issues with attention and all of that kind of stuff for years and so this was like a happy or a bittersweet moment for her and she had a lot of white women coming into her mentions telling her that she was privileged <laughs> because oh she was God. able to get an appointment and it's just like the we are the, the, the caucasity <laughs> like we are we are good we are good for them when we are helping them but when it when we want to become or when we suddenly become the main character it's mm-hmm. almost like how dare you you're supposed I'm to be under here yeah like your think, discomfort yeah. makes me comfortable and now I that you're not say that, comfortable, yeah. yeah it's it's almost not only that some of these people are looking and following you guys for help it's almost so they're getting some sort of weird sensation from you being in pain they yeah. may their their lives may be fucking brilliant but because they're seeing that you're going through something, I, I'm pretty certain that some of them are actually getting off on the fact that you yes. guys you guys are in pain. And then Absolutely. once you're in a position of where you feel happy and confident and, you know, something good's happened, they're like, well, no, you don't deserve it. Why is this yeah. happening to you? I'm unfollowing you. Fuck off then. It's fine. Yeah. I, feel like, I yeah. feel like we need a whole show on that. <laughs> yes. We need a whole conversation about that because there, yeah. there, there's so much things I want to say, but we don't have the time. But yeah, Stephanie, you will come back, cousin Stephanie. We will explore this. Trauma mule is the phrase. One hundred. Yeah, that's a wow. great phrase. Um, <laughs> what, just to come off of that for a second, and just you did mention that you're writing a book. So can you tell mm-hmm. us what this book is going to be about? On the back of your, this is your second book. Tell us about your first book, and I'll tell us what this next book is going to be about. Because author goals. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So with the second one, it's literally, it's very early stages. So I can't even say that much outside of it is, I'm hoping for it to be a fiction is so hard to write. Like not, I would take nonfiction over fiction any day. Like fiction is just, (laughs) wow. It's very difficult. So I'm literally, when I say like early process, I mean like a thousand words in. So it's very (laughs) early, but yeah, so I'm doing that. I'm still trying to figure out the story and everything like that. But I think in the next few months, once I've got like a a proper synopsis, then I'll be able to speak more about it, which would be great. I'm also trying to work on a kid's book as well, like body positive, self-love kid's book with a black girl being the main character for once in when we have these conversations about body image and things I think it's really important and I think it's a book that I would have wanted to have read when I was very young and yeah hoping that can all go through soon and with my first book it's called Fatally Ever After and it's not so much a memoir it's like a guide on where I talk about 
the different avenues of how plus size black women specifically get treated. But I wrote it for specifically for women in the UK because I just didn't feel like we had that much of a voice within the body positive scope. And so I talk about everything from how we are depicted in the media, the histories. I talk about medical fat phobia. I talk about mental health and how that can infiltrate and how that can affect things like weight gain and, and things of that nature. So there are some scientific aspects of it as well. I talk about fashion. I talk about the future of what I want to see when it comes to plus size black representation. So like Lizzo's got her own chapter <laughs> in the book. And what I've done is got my experiences in it to provide context to all of the theory in there. And then what I've done also is I've interviewed uh, plus size black women from all over the world and they have their stories in the book because I didn't want it just to just be about my experience. I wanted it to be like a collective experience of stories from plus size women with talking about the way in which and, and how differently we are treated from everybody else because when you intersect fatness with being black with being like, like colorism and being darker skin there's so many ways in which we are stereotyped and marginalized and oppressed at all of those different aspects and when you put them all together it's just a hot mess sometimes and sometimes I feel like our voices are lost within all of the sort of fluffy fairy like body positive pastel colored shade Instagram posts that we see and so I just wanted a book for black plus size women to feel seen. And yeah, that came out a couple of years ago. Where can we buy Fatally Ever After? You can get it on Amazon, or if you don't want to get it on Amazon, you can go to Waterstones, Foils, and yeah, all good bookstores near you. I was about to say, all the top shutter shutter. I listened listen to it on Audible, and I thought oh, you did thank a you. brilliant job. Because like sometimes, especially when it's the author, you want to hear it in their voice, and you just read it really well. I followed Thank through you. your experiences and yeah, I absolutely loved it. I just wanted to ask you one question. You mentioned like not being approached by black men. Mm. And is mm -hmm. that still, like, has that, have you had that experience going on? Because your partner, he looked black to me, but I don't know how he, you know, how he sees himself. But that how's topic, yeah. topic was the one I was like, you know, if I speak, they'll say I'm shouting. But do you know what? I am never talking about that topic on Twitter again, because oh. as much as I was trying to convey a really honest experience, people were calling me self-hating. People were calling oh, me this. People, was, people were saying it was my fault that I wasn't getting approached. And it, it wasn't for me. So it wasn't a complaint at all. It was just me saying I've never been approached or flirted with or you know liked by um a black man and it's not me saying oh this is terrible and black men are this not at all I was literally just relaying an experience and my preference or I don't say preference but I like I love black men and so it hurt I think a little to feel like people in my community didn't even find me attractive and not only yeah. that they would find fat women attractive but it would be fat white women yeah. And that was what was like, okay, so damn. With my current uh, partner, he's black, he's mixed race, but he identifies um, as black. So that was, yeah, the, he's the first person ever uh, to find me attractive and, and to attractive enough to, to date and stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's so wonderful. And it's just the best feeling because some of my other dates that I've had, Boy, it's just it's a lot. Like the, the fetishizing and it's exhausting. So it's so comforting and it just feels like home to date to be with a black man and 
Yeah, it took a black man from outside of the country. I didn't necessarily divest. I was but... going to ask this because I know yeah. that definitely in, in like in a lot of Caribbean countries, for example, like larger women, it's just not a problem for anybody. Like obviously everyone has their own experience. I just mean like in terms of dating and stuff mm. like that. So I was, I was going to ask you, like when you were speaking to these women, did they have like different stories about things like that? Was it completely the opposite from the Western world and their understanding mm. and their, their understanding of what beauty is and those sort of standards? Were their stories quite different? Yeah, do you know what? It was actually quite similar, which was sad because I would have thought that other cultures and countries would have completely opposite experiences yeah. to me. Quite a few of the American women that I interviewed were like, oh yeah, we're divesting. We want to look at British men. I was like, sis. I was like, <laughs> it's, it's probably like the same here. No, don't like what apparently like LA is like a terrible place to kind of date if you're plus size. And oh, so right. many stories from like LA and New York and just how like bad it is and how they get treated. I think there was a woman that did submit a story. She's she was Nigerian, I think, and she said that she gets approached quite a lot from men in Nigeria, but it always comes from a, like a fetishizing angle. And they always, she said about three or four of them in their experience have asked her to wear waist trainers so that she could have an hourglass shape because oh. there's something about being fat, but being fat in all the right areas. So as long as you have a small waist, that kind of shape, then it seems to be a lot more acceptable, which is something that needs to, that kind of way of thinking, I think needs to die. But yeah, it was, it, they were all quite similar, unfortunately, which made me really sad because I wanted hope at the time. I was like, let me come over there and see. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's for the most part, like a kind of global thing. Well, the people that I spoke to anyway. That's interesting. Mm. Last try. question. So last question, you have done some amazing things so far. Like your journey is like amazing. Thank Model, you. author, content maker, producer, <laughs> other people, like all of these fantastic things. What is your end goal? What do you want to, what do you think would make you be like, I've done it? I know that's quite hard because can we ever mm. really do it? We want to keep achieving things. What mm. thing do you think is like, where do you want to get to? My end goal, oh, do you know what? I have quite, I have a couple. I really want to get into writing a lot more. I personally feel like I need to improve on my writing skills, especially with fiction. But I do want to come out with a series of sci-fi books that feature wow. mostly like fat black oh. people, like yes. a lot of black people, like a black Harry Potter, but just, just a lot cooler. Like I love sci-fi. Yeah. And so I'm always, I guess my goals always involve having the most diversity and like inclusivity as possible so this might be a bit shallow or whatever but I so since the age of 11 I used to like with my mum would give me pocket money I would spend it on buying things like Vogue and Elle and Harper's Bazaar and I would make collages on my wall because I love fashion so much but for the longest time it's always been inaccessible to larger body types and so for me if I was to ever have my own line or like a capsule collection of plus size clothing that's always been my end goal if I was to do that would be like my boss level for me is to be able to design clothes and yeah just to keep writing more that's books 
Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yes, yeah. you said it. So. In, you said yeah. existence now. Yeah. 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 And everything. I don't see why not. When, when your aunties agree, it's happening. It's happening. And I can't to read the sci-fi, and hopefully they make it into a Netflix series, so I can be yeah. too. Can imagine. Oh my god. Oh <laughs> okay, that now it's mean. time. We did say the last question, but it's not really. This is the bit where the aunties get in your business very quickly. It's a quick fire round. You ain't got no time to think. We're gonna ask you questions quickly. Answer, okay. Answer. Okay. okay. Auntie AK is asking you. I'm asking you. I'm Auntie AK. What's happening with your love life? You've explained a bit, but what is actually happening with your love life? Go. Love life is really great. It's really cool. It's been like what a month and a half now since we've been official, and I love it. And it's great. And we'll be seeing each other soon. And it's long distance. And we've known each other for ten years. And yeah, yeah it's all fairy tale-ish. So, yeah, I'm having a blast. Amazing. I love that. I love that all. I love that he doesn't live here too, but that's just my own personal thing. In terms of <laughs> so you said that you want kids, right? Are you trained in looking after kids? Have you got kids in your life? Have you got nieces and nephews? And how many kids do you want if you want kids? I don't, but I've always loved kids. I always said when I was younger that I wanted to be a mum when I was 18. Obviously at the time I didn't know like the social, <laughs> the taboos of having kids very young, but it's always been a huge goal in my life. I, when I used to work at the hospital, I worked in trauma, but then I also worked in the maternity ward a bit. And I have a bit of a fascination with like childbirth and everything that comes along with it. I would like to have two kids and yeah, I, I love looking after kids. I just, yeah, I love them definitely want them so you told us earlier on that you're not an auntie already do you have siblings as well i do yes okay. i've got one sorry none of them have kids yet are they younger older not yet my brother got married a couple of months ago so we're just waiting we me and my mum we're just the time is coming and then i've got um a, a younger half sister um who lives in ghana and okay. she is uh, 13 and my brother yeah he's 26 and he's just gotten married so we're just like I'm gonna be an auntie soon hopefully what type of auntie are you planning on being I'm gonna be like the fun auntie I think the one that kind of plays practical jokes with the kids on my brother yeah I want to do you know what I want to be and this is probably a really bad thing to do but I thought I used to watch a lot of sitcoms as a teenager and I always think oh I want to be like this sitcom character as yeah. a mum or an auntie so in my head I've got Jay from my wife and kids that's okay. the kind of like yeah. mum slash auntie okay. I want to be just very fun and very cool and laid back so now I feel like through this whole um show we've gotten very much closer to you I would even go as far as say we are now your favorite aunties since we're your favourite aunties, please tell us something that you haven't told your mum, your dad, your sister, your brother, or the closest people to you. Tell us something. <laughs> we want juicy secret. Yeah. Oh, damn. Um... <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, something that I haven't told. No, because all the things will get me in trouble. I once had an encounter with a guy who was he was from the Netherlands or something like that and oh god he so basically to cut a long story short after the deed was done while we were still in the same room slash vicinity he said that I asked him how was it that he was so like wealthy and stuff because he was always bragging about like his wealth and things and he said that it was family money and then I was like okay but 
so what do your family do? And then that's when he said that his great grandparents or great great grandparents used to be uh, oh, farmers. And I was like, oh, no. ah, <gasps> what, kind of, what kind of farmers are we are we talking about? It was like, oh yeah, farmers in Jamaica. I was like, okay, oh, but no. elaborate. And then that's when he said they were they were oh. slave owner. They were slave owners. And yeah. the reason the reason that he likes to date black girls is because of his white guilt. And that was when I was like, okay, you need to get out. This was a very, I didn't know anything about him. It was a very quick meeting. And that was when I was like, is this my life? I'm literally sleeping with colonizers. Is this what I'm doing? (laughs) I had to reevaluate my whole dating strategy. I was just like, because at the time, my dating has always been very unsuccessful. So I always would just go out with people that liked me. Even if I didn't like them, I was proper settling because... I was going where the love is. I just didn't really know myself at the time. So whoever showed interest, I was like, oh, I feel validated. Let's go out kind of thing. And so that was, yeah, yeah. I wasn't (laughs) expecting that, you know. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't it. Now you've said that. I don't know how I can move on from all of that. Wow. Oh. It's white guilt. This is why men shouldn't talk. They shouldn't talk. (laughs) Ever. This is why they shouldn't talk. Let's let's move on. On the back of that, let's make the family proud. No, stop. We've got to move on. on. Let's make the family proud. Let's redeem yourself, woman. Make Uh us proud. Tell I us will. your biggest achievement, please, quickly. Tell us your oh, my biggest <laughs> achievement is definitely my book. It was a very tough thing to write, but and very emotional, very cathartic. So that was one of my biggest achievements. Also being the first black plus size woman on the front cover of Glamour magazine. Ooh. That was a huge achievement for me because yeah. it was something that I always used to read as a child and never saw any like black or dark skinned black people, any fat people on the front cover. So to be asked yeah. to be the first was a full circle moment for me. And yeah. I felt very proud. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well done. done. You've redeemed yourself. <laughs> you redeemed you. yourself. He, however, will never know. That was wild. Pride, guys. We got to sit in the pride. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Tell us a family saying that you heard growing up that you hold absolutely dear to you or that you 100%... A family saying? Damn. We don't really have any family sayings. Give me an example just to help you. My mum always says, your life is like an egg. If you drop it, you can never pick it up. And it's something that I can't... I always just say in my head, but you can pick up eggs. But Mm. um, (laughs) I I always had a sassy remark in my head. It's those Mm -hmm. other family sayings that either you carry with you or you Mm. just like. My grandma oh, had a saying, and she uh, said, mm-hmm. your business is brown as a top. What that means, I don't know, because whose business is brown and what top is it topping, mm. I don't know. But what she meant is that just relax yourself, basically, or don't yeah. stress out by everything, or listen to what I say. It could cover so many different things, but... yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's not necessarily a saying, but I guess it's like a thing that my grandmother and my mom instilled in me and I keep it very dear until now is to never rely on a man financially. Hey, and always be financially uh, uh, independent as a woman and watching my grandmother and my mother both be so strong and so independent and being able to really work hard and stuff really made me it really drilled that into me and I've become very proud when it comes to things like finances and not wanting to like ever borrow money from people or things like that I just feel really it's fine to do it but I think because it's been drummed into me it's always I always have to have a backup to the backup kind of thing and yeah my mom really pushed the importance of financial independence 
That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. So we have come to the part where we solve your problem or we give you unsolicited advice. Which one would you like to go for? Could I have unsolicited advice? Wow. I swear everybody always goes for this. Nobody ever has a problem for us. I, I, was, I was really trying to think of a problem, but I was just like, the only problem that I can think of that really weighs heavy on my mind is that I, and I'm, I know that I'm really stubborn. I would one day like to buy a house. I've resigned myself to the fact that I'll probably be renting for the rest of my life, but I want to buy a house within zone two of London under 500k that's four bedrooms <laughs> I do not want to pay more than five or maybe 450 and I'm just finding it difficult I'm I'm looking in Streatham I'm looking in Tooting and because I'm a South London babe and that's it I want it restricted South to London. South London yeah I want it restricted to South London only at zone two um, at zone one Same. or two I could do a zone is, is three. Zone one even, is South London even zone one? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. So I currently live in zone one, one at the moment. Pardon? I've got advice. Yeah, it's it's zone zone two, right? or zone one, two. Nine Elms is zone one now. Yes. Apparently, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah so they're, they're just mixing it up now, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's so nice now. Nice stuff. Yeah, but that's my problem. Like okay. South London, maximum zone three, maybe, but not South East London. <laughs> I'm gonna because... be I'm gonna... <laughs> I because I can't I can't be doing up Jubilee Line. I'm sorry. Going to Greenwich from Southwest London is a mission. I'd rather go to Barcelona. It takes less <laughs> time. It takes less time. I can't be doing Jubilee Line. I can't do Blackheath. Because I know that houses are cheaper there, but it's because it's in the middle of nowhere. Cousin Steph, Steph, you're out of order. You come to make us answer. The only thing I can think of is a crack house. I was going to say the same thing. Or a house in Stockwell Park Estate or something, or Mikesfield. Not even there. Not even there. Stockwell Park Estate is expensive now. Yeah. yeah, I was making bank there, 100%. Really? Because I can do like Hearn Hill, I can do <laughs> oh, West Norwood. You said Dulwich with no brain. Yeah, West <laughs> Dulwich, even West. 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 Dulwich. No, West no, no. <laughs> huh? Ah, oh, but there are no houses under 500k. There must be. No. What oh, you're going to get, get is see them craters that they used to build. Um, no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> What's it called? Box Park. That's oh, a little container. That's doable. You can stick through them on yeah. top of each other. You need because to the piece of land that you're going to get is going to be a sliver. Yes. Yeah. You need okay. to find yeah. you need to go yeah. back and watch grand designs and look at when they built the containers, the houses. Because no, they look amazing. Yeah. They look amazing. Like, no, like, seriously. Or or actually, you know what you can do from Europe, you can buy these houses that come flat packed. You find oh. a, plot, a plot of land, plot of land, and you can buy a house that comes flat pack, and you just they come and they build it for you. It takes them about ten days. Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a it's days. a tent thing. It's a tent. It's a tent. <laughs> tent. It's like a no, 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 they're bit like there's studios built like that as well. Like they come oh, flat pack. Trust me, they're really. Can I really? Just say, can I? Really? Can I just, I'll send you the link. Can I just say you asked us to solve your problem? What I want to do is some unsolicited answer your advice. Can you lower your chest, please? Or Sorry, so, okay, okay. Can you explain to her, to the room, what it is that you want and then talk about lower chest? Wait, hold on. Wait, this is not about me. <laughs> <laughs> what 
<laughs> when you started talking, I was, it was very reminiscent of conversations that I have with Auntie AK about oh, her really? wanting to live. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> like wanting to live in, so in, in West London in a four bed house for like yes. 500,000. Yes. It's containers. Together. It's containers. It's containers. Cousin, cousin Steph, we'll talk about this offline, but in public, and let me tell you, reduce your chest, okay? It's enough. It's enough already. I can't. Like, I, I cannot move out of South London. I can't. No, I can't do it. I feel you, man. Stay in South. And I can say, hand on heart, I will never live in South London ever That's again. <gasps> That's okay. Yeah. No, it's yeah. okay. It's all right. You love what you love. It's, to it's totally fine. You love what you love, isn't it? Okay, mm. guys. Um, Red sorry, comment has just given a very, actually a sensible suggestion yes. to go to auction and try and get a fixer uh, fix me up oh that's true yes, i forget about house. that yeah a house that used to be a crack house and you're good to go yeah i can i can do a crack house yeah. i can do yeah. i can fix it up <laughs> yeah what is okay. it no babe no. <laughs> can we get the comments i mean it might take want. 10 years to i'm gonna get palpitations from no, no. the ghost of crack was passed no thank you no. <laughs> what's gonna happen stephanie is you're gonna write your second book and it's gonna be a bestseller it's gonna be on oprah's list what's gonna happen oh, is gonna you claim it in jesus name yeah. that's what's gonna happen and you can get you don't have to have restrictions you can get whatever <laughs> you want okay that's oh thank you we claim that's it in jesus word. name let's get the couple of comments that did come in come in before red border and um okay cool so da, 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 da. natalie was saying i don't know why people um tell you they're um, following they're following with a big explanation why seriously just leave quietly amen 100 exactly. um and shelly was set says that i was slim until i had my daughter she is slim and got her got slim shamed for years in her 20s this wow. seems to be on the rise in my opinion like yeah. slim framing for real and victoria said you should not laugh but that plantation guilt story is an episode <laughs> absolutely it really is yeah, no, no. it was very wild Stephanie, we're not getting rid of you but just want to say thank you for your time and your honesty yeah. and your open heart and your warm spirit cousin stephanie you fit uh, with the aunties thank you yeah. very thank much you. for your time that was wonderful thank um, you so much um, before we go into it, we've got Sad, Mad, Glad. Auntie Stephanie. No, Coven Stephanie, so I've got it written. Um, Auntie, what's made mm -hmm. you sad, mad and glad this week? Do you have any? Yeah, so something that has made me glad. A bit of a personal one, my Valentine's gift, just because it was my first ever one and it made me feel really lovely. Something that made me mad was watching, I don't know if you guys are watching Love is Blind on Netflix, and <laughs> it's angering me because I think the first season, a lot of people were saying that there's not a lot of diversity with regards to like bigger bodies and other kind of bodies. And so what they did for this season is they brought in two plus size women gave them no airtime and then brought in two plus size women who were big but then they got they they shrunk down and now they're it's doing this narrative as if in order to find love you need to lose a lot of weight and there's just a lot know. of phobia on the show not really appreciating that and then something that made me sad which again is like another random <laughs> random personal one is there's a local like street bakery in my area that's closing down and it's sad because I could get five donuts for a pound oh. and now <laughs> they're closing down it's in Clapham Junction and I'm just like oh. yeah it's <laughs> devastating I'm so no. <laughs> they do the best bakery ever when are they, when are they closing because my family lives in clapham junction like running i think like end of march they're on north, north okay. coat road so i'm just like okay. yeah that made me a bit sad i am glad to be back with the ladies and to have yeah. cousins definitely 
Yay. I'm glad to be back here. I'm sad to be back here because <laughs> yeah. being in Grenada, everything aside of what I had to do. And what's made me mad? The fucking weather. That's yeah. what's making me mm. real, real angry right now. Like, I have been so hot for the last, like, over four weeks to the point where I'm wearing, like, hardly any clothes every day. And then I've had to come back here and I've got layers on. I've got to put the heating on in my car, like the seats. I've got to put the heating on my house. And I'm so conscious of the stupid gas bill at the moment. Right. I'm having to turn mm. it down, put blankets on and wear my dressing gown in the house. It's just so I'm just mad at the climate, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Nana. Yeah. All right. So I'm sad because I was feeling, well, I still am out of sorts. I'm not, I'm not in peak auntie nana mode at this moment it could be seasonal sad blues. yeah it could be the seasonal blues i don't know but yeah i'm a bit i'm a bit off of my normal vibe so i really do feel like i need to go on one of those silence retreats when you go away you don't mm. yeah days. i feel like i need one of those i'm mad at the prices going up on everything it's just yes. my weekly spending budget which i'm terrible at sticking at anyway it's just all over the place and it's really pissing me off. And today it got announced that they're putting up transport by 5%. And yeah. Like, we're not getting paid anymore. Like, literally, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, that's really pissed me off. And I'm super glad. I got so emotional watching Little Sims and her mum go up for Little Sims to get her award. And just how happy her mum was. It really made me think I had these mad dreams of winning an Oscar being the first um, black woman to win an Oscar for directing a movie. And I always had my mum being there, like being like, yeah, I always wanted her to do this, like yeah. better than lying. But I wanted that moment, like my mum would be there, like, yeah, she did it. So yeah, as I was watching them, I was just like, oh, I can imagine her heart. That must just be so beautiful for them to yeah. experience that. So yeah, that gave me pure joy. Lovely. Auntie Sade. So my sad is that my good friend India has moved back. She was based in the UK for three years and she's moved back to the US. And I'm just really sad. I'm like really happy for her, but I'm really sad for myself. She's my buddy and we used to just do random stuff and have random experiences, which I won't go into. Um, <laughs> we're going a normal night out and just something random will happen. And yeah, but I guess she's only a flight away. So, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can make that happen i'm mad at euphoria tv show i'm not gonna give everything away but like fucking hell is it depressing at times yeah. <laughs> like jesus like i really just wanted to bang it out and watch all two series and i just had to keep taking breaks because i was just like this is really bringing me down and yeah. whole series about the director and what he's trying to do but we'll get into that another day and i'm glad because as i said at the top of the show i done a really big pitch today with my girls Dana and Beverly. and even if it doesn't go well i'm just happy that i've done it because it was for a fantastical amount of money and i've never pitched that much in my life and yeah i think i'm just happy that i'm because i wasn't going to do it as i said before and i changed my mind and we got it done and yeah sometimes it is, as I often say, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes. Right. Excellent. Amazing. Yeah. What's made me mad is that we can't just have nice, th sad, I should say, is that we can't just have nice things. My point, my case in point was the NFL, the Super Bowl halftime. I just wanted to enjoy it without having the politics at the back of my mind. And I hate that so many things in life we can't just enjoy. 
because there's always a thing attached to the thing of enjoyment. So I'm just that made me sad. And also now I'm sad because Auntie, because um, cousin Stephanie is talking about the donut shop in Clapham Junction. That means I might just fast forward myself down to Clapham Junction, <laughs> all the donuts before the shop closed. So I'm really sad that I've heard this moment, this thing, this location. Um, I'm mad because I lost my phone adapter for my headphones on my phone. Now listen, tech people, can you allow it? One port, one thing. You don't need to merge them all. I do not need, and I don't have to have wireless headphones. I'm old school. I like my little plug-in headphones. Let me have my plug-in hole. Do not make the same hole, the charger hole, and then you change the shape. So now I have to have an adapter. I've lost yes. my adapter. I'm going to the gym. It dropped somewhere. Now I have to go and buy another one. You like to keep taking money out of my pocket for no reason. And on the top of that, at Auntie Sade, I'm not having it. And then on the top of that... <laughs> I'm just like... Because you wouldn't live in the past. And what else is making me mad? Apple, and on the top of that, Apple laptop chargers. You don't need to have the bum bum bit. You don't. <laughs> yes. You just need that to be a freaking plug. Why That's is it true. that then you have to make sure the plug is high enough to fit into the wall? You don't have that space. It comes and it comes apart and it drops every minute. Why? You don't need it. It just needs to be a plug. Maybe Agreed. And also, I'm now glad that um, <laughs> someone sent me a link to a YouTube video of, a, what was it? Oh, God, I forgot that it was, or, shit. What rate was it? Uh, oh, John it Gary. was, it was, um, oh, oh, it was Sun like City, Sun City, yeah. Sun City at Hippodrome. Sorry, my bad, my brain. Someone sent a nostalgic video, it was 1998. I'm not yeah. sure if you were at that particular rave, but it was definitely a time when we was raving up to Garage. And it was just a memory lane. I saw a few faces that I recognised and the music I was jamming whilst doing my work watching it. It was fantastic. And then I went down a rabbit hole and found another jungle rave that most definitely Auntie Farah and I were most probably at. And it was just fun to go down memory lane. I had a really good old time. So that made me glad. Uh. And finally, <laughs> Auntie, I'm Cousin Stephanie. Can you tell us what's your popular opinion? What's on your hiss list or something that pisses you off? that you want to get out into the world? Oh, what is an unpopular opinion? I don't, see this is the thing, I don't know if it's unpopular, but I guess it could be seen as unpopular with some of today's generation, maybe. This kind of secure the bag feminism, I'm not a big fan of. I am not a fan of women, or I guess for the most part, always trying to get bags or Hermes bags from men or if a man doesn't pay for this then it means that he's this and that kind of thing I'm not the biggest fan because I'm I've always been taught like financial independence is so important but relying on a man to fund a lifestyle goes against everything that feminism is about to me anyway I don't think there's anything empowering about having a lifestyle funded by a man because there's like the whole control element that can sometimes come into it and the disrespect and also we've we've been fighting for a very long time for us to be able to have the right to work and to make our own decisions and stuff so for me it feels like it sets feminism a bit back when I hear a lot of these stories of oh my man did this and he takes me to Hakkasan or Sexy Fish or whatever and if he doesn't do this then you know I like my man to buy me nice things and I don't know I don't tend to talk about that a lot because I guess people will do whatever they want to do. But for me, it's just just make your own money. There's a lot of pride in being able to do that these days. So that's a bit of an unpopular, maybe with some circles it might be, but I feel yeah. yeah. 
that's that on that and we will leave it there i know mm. that was like a long conversation out of us however yeah. we must go we must dash thank you thank you thank you cousin stephanie for your time yeah. we really appreciate you oh can before you go can you thank let us know where we can follow you and get into all your business Oh, yes. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram, which is instagram.com forward slash Stephanie Yeboa, which is Y-E-B-O-A-H. And also my website, stephanieyeboa.com. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. This has been Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms. And you can watch us back on Facebook and YouTube. And you can listen to our episodes on all the most popular listening platforms. And don't forget to leave your reviews, your likes and your comments and positive ones, please. And that's it. That was Auntie's Good Never. So I'm Auntie AK. I'm Auntie Farah. I'm Auntie Nana. And I'm Auntie Sade. And Cousin Stephanie. And Cousin Steph. Bye. Good night. Bye. 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 B